we have in our heads a running voice. And oftentimes that running voice in our head is a little abusive. We don't oh, know that it's abusive. We have a self-abuser. People call it an inner critic. I think the inner critic can be actually, not all the time, but can be kind of an a-hole. Mm-hmm. And so we avoid our own self-abuser. Welcome to Insert Human. This is a show that is not for everyone. It's for seekers, people like you, hopefully, who are searching for solutions to your problems, the world's problems, and everything in between. The conversations to come are going to show you how finding the truth of our humanity is the magic key to solving pretty much anything. Between my monologues, my dialogues with brilliant guests, and your good questions, you're going to learn how to insert human into everything, and in doing so, realize a better life and one day a better world. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for joining me today. We are with somebody by the name of Aaron Baker, who I just met, who also is a podcaster, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later in the show. But more importantly, I could argue that when we met, which is, I think, just a week ago, I think I fell in love. Mm-hmm. I definitely got goosebumps a couple of times, both in the beginning and the end, and there was an amazing affinity for this person in part because I think she cares a lot about what I care about, which is helping people find their way. And so just by background, Aaron is a transformational leadership coach, an entrepreneurial coach, a social psychologist, a speaker, an author, and also a podcaster, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. <laughs> One of her experience, their, her experiences was at Facebook, which mm-hmm. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but I think it's it's an interesting part of of your journey mm-hmm. and the focus that she put on understanding human behavior and understanding the impact of social media on human behavior. So Aaron, thank you. Thank you for joining me. It's well, a, thr- a thrill. Thank you for having me, Chris. And it gives me goosebumps to hear you say that you fell in love because I we did have an instant affinity and we met two weeks ago and now we seem to be seeing each other every couple of weeks. So... Yeah. We'll just see where this love grows. There you go. There you go. So one of my, th- the things I do with my guests is I tend to often send them a, a series of questions the day before we do our interviews or sometimes the, the morning of, and I was remiss today and I, I didn't actually send Aaron the questions until about an hour ago. And I wrote to today that I just have one question and that is this, why is transforming ourselves so fucking hard. Pardon my English, French, whatever. And that is what Erin does. She helps people transform. And she's a, I believe, PhD, right? Yes, PhD in so, social so, psychology. So unlike yep. me, I'm, I'm, just not, I'm just a charlatan. I actually have no pedigree or qualification to talk about anything. They actually does. That's what Erin has studied for much of her life and done work in that space. So if anybody can answer the question, it's Aaron. So why is it so fucking hard? And I'm going to say before I even launch in, I don't know if even I can answer the question because it's just such a complicated thing. But where I came to as you were noodling on, or you gave me this question to noodle on, is that had its core changes uncomfortable. And we are wired as humans to avoid discomfort at all costs. And so whether it's we're changing our thoughts, 
our feelings, our behaviors. It's requiring us to step into a level of discomfort that we don't like. And what actually happens is it's not that we know how uncomfortable we're going to be. Before we even think about changing, we project in our minds how uncomfortable it's going to be. So we have these stories in our heads. So if you're going to say change your behavior around, let's say smoking, right? Now we've made a story in our head about how hard it is going to be to quit smoking. And so that hardness gets built up in our heads and we convince ourselves that that's not worth it. It was like a calculation. It's like a calculation and we're really bad. There's a, a, a term in psychology called affective forecasting. It's really the idea of how good are we at predicting how we're going to feel in the future. And a lot of the research has been done on things like breakups. But one of the things that's really important that they've found in the research is that people have a tendency to predict much more intensity of pain and much longer duration of pain than what's really happening. And so, yeah, we're sitting here, we are walking around as humans, creating stories in our heads. And I will just take that back to, that's all we're all doing every day. Our whole experience of our lives oh is in God. our heads, right? Objectively, you know, I can look at this can of that I've soda I'm drinking and I can call it blue and you're calling it teal because you're, you have a story about what teal is and I have a story about what blue is. And so we're walking around creating these stories in our head and somehow we've created this story of the discomfort. And the more uncertain the change is in terms of, you know, I don't know what actually happens on the other side, right? So I can talk a lot about, I worked at Facebook. I'd stayed much longer at Facebook because I had no idea what the other side looked like. Right. It was just so scary to me to think about was I going to find a job I liked? Was I going to find a job that treated me as well, that made as much money? And so the more uncertain it is, the more we are uncomfortable. And then the more uncomfortable we are, the less we are willing to change. So it's a it's a bit of the devil you know is preferred. Oh, to the devil absolutely. You know. Yeah, the familiar discomfort is so much more tolerable to us than the you know un unknown, the discomfort of the unknown. Now, that's a lot about changing our behavior. And something you and I have talked about recently is changing our minds, changing our thoughts. And that's something that's a huge topic in the political sphere right now is how do we bring unity when we have people on both sides so entrenched in their thoughts? And a lot about that, and I think it, it can apply to some behavior too, is that we're afraid to face ourselves. We're afraid what? to... Yeah. What? We're Blasphemy. afraid to blasphemy, right? So we're super afraid to find out that we are racist or we are classist or bigoted or we have something about ourselves. And I'm talking about this in the political sphere, but you can think of almost anything. I don't want to face myself and find out that, let's say, go back to the smoking example, that I can't do it. I don't want to face what that means about me right. if I can't quit. Or I or, can't change. Yeah. Or I'm afraid to find out that I'm afraid. Right. I mean, that's, that's like a mind bender, but I think that's totally. part, of the, part of it too. Totally. But we have in our heads a running voice. And oftentimes that running voice in our head is a little abusive. We don't oh, know that it's abusive. We have a self-abuser. People call it an inner critic. I think the inner critic can be actually, not all the time, but can be kind of an a-hole. 
Mm-hmm. And so we avoid our own self-abuser. We avoid doing things that will make us have that you suck. Why can't you do this? You're a horrible person. You're not enough. We are so much meaner to ourselves than almost anybody else out there on the planet. And so we tend to avoid the situations that'll bring that out in us. We don't want to face ourselves. So we've got that inner voice, the the carrier of ego. Is that, is that sort of where the, and I've read a bit about this, like that secondary voice, the shadow is also referred to as the shadow child. I mean, it's got a, a bunch of different monikers. Is that more the, the, the fearful ego, you know, versus self, or is that how you think about it or, or something, something different than that? You know, I don't really, I have to say as a psychologist, there's so much you can study. I don't really know a ton about ego stuff. Okay. I, it's not something I've studied. So I, I wouldn't want to misrepresent anything that has been studied. I, oh, I'll do that. I, just, I do that. Yeah. I just think there <laughs> we have voices in our heads and this <laughs> What a great episode title someday. We have voices in our heads. We all have voices in our heads. It's we have our inner cheerleader. We have our inner critic. We just, we are a constant tape of things. And yeah, it probably is in some ways related to our ego. And it's, it's that, that voice that is protecting us, right? right? Right. It's protecting us from whatever we're afraid of. And at our core, I believe our biggest fear is being abandoned bigger than being not enough or not capable is at some level, if we take all of the, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of, you know, failure. And then, okay, well, what does it mean if you fail? Well, it means that I'm not capable. What does it mean if you're not capable? Well, it means that other people are going to see I'm not capable. You go down the rabbit hole and when you get to the core, all of us are afraid that people are going to leave, that people are going to go away. And so some of the ways that the self-abuser comes out is to protect us from getting ourselves into situations where people might leave. Just a comment there, the idea of abandonment as the mirror of the need for validation in a way, right? Like yes, the, yes. the fear of losing somebody sort of the, yeah. the need, I mean, need, yeah. not even desire, the need to be validated by somebody it's they're they're probably related i would guess Uh, oh absolutely absolutely and some of the reasons i believe we get into these really entrenched thoughts in the world is that when someone says i disagree with your stance your idea what we come back as is you're not a valid human right right and so you know, there's the, the validation we get on a micro level, the the likes and, and comments we got on social media. We've talked about that before, but there's also the validation that you are a human yeah. and an, an okay human. And we are, I think at some level, all of us unsure if we are valid. Right. Right. I also think Get back to the abandonment thing. You know, I think you and I talked, we, we talked about a lot of stuff last week. This idea of the measure of a life and, and that the, I think it was a book that was written called The Five Regrets of Dying People mm-hmm. by a hospice nurse. And she basically, the five regrets boil down to one regret, which is not investing enough in re, in my relationships, my family, my friend, like just, mm-hmm. which is in a way is, is about, not a, being abandoned. Like I, I wish I had mm-hmm. put more into not being abandoned as, and so that's sort of this, this, at the end of the day, it's all that actually maybe matters 
is the level of connection we have with others, including ourselves. Mm -hmm. And subconsciously, we know that consciously, we may not know that, but subconsciously, we know that and therefore we do everything we can not to be abandoned, you know, not to lose the yeah. few connections that we have. I, I don't know if that makes any any sense, but. Oh, I think a lot of our behavior is unconsciously driven by that. And I'll say this as sort of a twist is that we're so afraid of being abandoned by others. We have abandoned ourselves at times, right? So oh, yeah. we think of like the relationships we get into or the jobs we get into. And so you know, going back to your original question about why is transformation so hard? It's because we are abandoning ourselves. And in order to come back to ourselves, we have to acknowledge that we have done that. Say that again. Yeah. So yeah, let me unpack that. So you think about all the ways that we put on a performance for other people in order to not be left. And you can think of a lot of the things that we've come to do in our life are a product of trying to fit in. So, so many of the, so many people will say, going back to the smoking example, right? They started smoking because it was the place to hang out in the courtyard or people will, you know, abandon their own emotions through overeating or they'll, you know, I abandoned myself and what was important to me working at Facebook for so long. And in order to change, I had to admit to myself that I had let myself down. I completely relate to that. I mean, I'm thinking about the first 40 years of my life was conformance to the expectation of others and a complete yeah. disregard to me. Yeah. And to it's the point unconscious. That I, didn't, I, I didn't even know who I was. Right. And it's unconscious because we don't know that we're losing ourselves. It's those little drips, right, that seep right. out over time. And then as we start to do our own work, we start noticing. I do a lot of this work with my clients where we actually find out whose voice is actually talking to you. So I talk about the voices in our heads. So many of the voices in our heads are actually not our voice. They're not our inner true self. Right. If we go back and think about it, oh, my mom said this one thing one time, or my teacher said this one thing, or my college roommates. And then we start looking at how much of our, how much of our thoughts, how much of our emotions, how much of our behaviors are driven by how we over time listened to others and abandon our own inner guidance. Yeah. So there's really three players. There's the outside world, which we're trying to conform to play by their rules, not necessarily our rules. There's the inner voices which yeah. oftentimes may not be the, the help most helpful. Yep. <laughs> and then there's our true voice, which is trying to find her. Trying know? to find its way out. It's yeah, trying to claw you know, its way out. With all this, and by, and by the way, the outside voices are are supported by, it appears like everybody else we know is playing it the same way that we're playing it. So of course that must be the right way, right? So right. You, you have all yeah. this conformance pressure. Yeah. We have conformity, we have social norms and, and in the absence of information, because sometimes we don't know, right, what the rules are, how to show up, we do look around outside of ourselves and we're almost automatically, well, they are doing it, so therefore it's right. We never sit there and go, hmm, is that right? Is that the way to do things? Is that way to, the way to think about things? It just, I have zero information, you have information. Whether or not that information is bad doesn't matter. It's right. at least better than zero information. Right, right, right. So the problem is well, I mean, I think well depicted. I bet you there are people listening right now who are sitting there going, okay, 
I can relate to a lot of that. I, I can relate to those inner voices. I can relate to the external conformance pressure. I can, and I, and I want to find, I want to find me. I want to find my path out of this murky place. What in God's name can I do? Like, what, 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 what can I do? Yev? Yeah, totally. So one of the things that tends to happen is once we realize we're in a place where, okay, I'm open to change, right? We've talked about people who are just not ready, but once you're open to change, it can now feel like, okay, I want to do it all overnight. I want to have it to happen tomorrow. I want to be rid of this thing that I realize is no longer serving me. And a, that can get really overwhelming right now. You see the gap between where you are and where you want to be. And you just go, I don't know how. And so the, the first thing your brain wants to do is say, well, just don't try. So the first thing to do is, is set aside where you want to go as that, that whatever that change looks like and look for the tiniest steps you can start taking, whether mm -hmm. that's a small change in behavior. So say you want to reconnect with yourself. So a lot of people will say, okay, well, I, I want to meditate. Well, don't sit down and try to meditate for 30 minutes, meditate for one minute. Yes, it does not have the same benefits of a 30 minute meditation. I will not lie about that. Mm -hmm. But do so one minute little steps, little little, little steps. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, I think there's something you and I really talked about. For me, there was no way I could have gone through the change that I have been through since I left Facebook three years ago. So I was burnt out. My identity was completely wrapped up in being a researcher at Facebook my mom was going through a pretty terrible illness. Like I was completely lost and there was no way I could have muddled through it alone. Yet we somehow feel at times that the way to, to be strong or that a good person does it alone. I hired, I, I didn't believe in the coaching industry at the time. I thought coaching was bullshit to be totally okay. honest. Let me, um, let me just interject. Aaron makes their living as a coach. Coach, as a coach. <laughs> I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. I thought the coaching industry was bullshit because anybody and their brother yeah. could be a can call themselves a coach. You know, I'm sitting here. This is my elitism coming out a little bit. I'm a oh, PhD. I'm like, no. Yeah. But turns out there are really good coaches who are really smart and that aren't just, you know, showing up one day and being a coach. They're actually getting proper training. So I hired a coach and it was so great because she could see things I couldn't. There's just stuff we cannot process without somebody else looking in from their perspective. And that was just my step into all kinds of mentors. So now I'm a big believer in, you know, a one-on-one -on -one coach is someone who, especially the good ones won't bullshit you. They'll call you out on those stories you're telling yourself, right? The stories of it's too hard, or I can't do this. They'll point out things about you that you don't realize are great and help you step more into that. They'll pull out the blind spots. They'll see connections among your things that you can't see from within your own brain. They'll disentangle things. So that for me was so, so useful. And I hired a coach. I hired a couple other coaches over the last couple of years, one in which was a big community that I'm a part of. And then I'll say the last thing about that is even when you hire a coach, just like I say, you got to take baby steps transformation is a journey. It's a process. It's not perfect. You have days where you feel like you've made no progress that you've, you know, kind of stepped back in time. 
I have come to, to look at it. Like at some point I'll, I'll look back and I'll say, Oh, that thing changed about me. When did that happen? Right. Right. I won't know that it's happening at the time. It's almost like there's an egg, you know, chicken, right. An incubating mm-hmm. egg. And you know that there's something happening in that egg, mm-hmm. but you won't know until it actually hatches know. that there's a chicken in there. And so it's, it's being patient and compassionate with yourself and knowing that change is, is something that does the, the really permanent lasting change is the stuff that takes time. Right. And the weight loss people will say that a lot, right? Like don't do the overnight flash in a pan weight loss, do that sustainable weight loss thing. Just take that to anything you want to change. It doesn't yeah. have to be about losing. Yeah. You know, a couple, couple of reactions there. You know, one is I think part of being patient and baby steps is in a way letting go of what the world has told us is the way to be. Like we've, we've almost been brought up to, Solve the problem now, transact yes. now, hit the button now, yes. take the pill now, get it done yes. now, finish it by Friday now. Yep. <laughs> you know, and I think what you're saying is the act or art or journey of transformation is the opposite. Like we gotta yeah. we gotta allow time and and subtle learning and yeah. you know, like fair, right? Is that yeah, absolutely. And so much of it is, you know. You may have to be hit over the head a few times before you get an insight. I've had times where I've had a client tell me, you know, just keep talking, keep telling me this because I'm not getting it yet. And then four or five months later, they, they say, oh, I'm finally getting what you're saying. Right. 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 It takes time for certain things to get processed. I'm not a particular expert in unconscious mind, but I do believe that there's a lot happening below the surface. Right. And so even when I create an awareness of a new possibility of how I can be, there's unconscious things that are helping me move that way and helping me create habits. And so it's a lot about, you got to trust. Yeah. I was going to say that word earlier. Yeah. You have to trust that it's happening and and be in it for a long game, right? It's just, there's a lot of things in life we need to be in a long game for, but transformation is one of them. You know, my personal journey, I think I shared a little bit of this with you too, that so I, I, I lived a life of closed emotional capacity up until about 37. Then I hit my own rock bottom of, of sorts. And I just decided I, I, I didn't want to live that way anymore. And I, I, I don't know if I told you this. I, I read an article in Fast Company that a quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes, who said, who you are must come before what you do. Yeah. And I, I remember I was sitting in my office, a very successful businessman at the time. And I read, I'm looking at this magazine and I think to myself, I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Like literally, I have no idea. What I was was what I did. And if you remove what I did, there was nothing left. Mm-hmm. But my bigger point is from that point, I committed to finding all kinds of coaches. I mean, I had therapists, I had shaman, I had friends, I had... Mm-hmm. I had this gaggle of people and they would ebb and flow. Some would, you know, I graduated from one therapist to a different therapist. Mm-hmm. But what I came to realize is corny as it is, it kind of takes a village, man. It like, does. You know, uh, self-help is not about doing it alone. You, you no. need people. But the other thing I learned in that is just because somebody's a coach, they may not be the right coach for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what even gets defined as a coach is so broad that it really is about finding the people who 
you connect with, who get you and who can get you where you want to go. So I have found, you know, maybe it's not particularly surprising for people on the outside, but it was surprising for me as I did my own, you know, journey and business building is so many of my clients come to me because they're facing some of the same things I faced, right? The same mindsets, the same traps, the same burnouts, they're high achievers, they're, you know, moving towards that soul driven impact work and oftentimes starting a business. And so they, they're attracted to me because I've been there. So I'm not going to connect with maybe for me, a shaman wouldn't have been the right connection when I was first, you know, saying that might've been, I I need to change. It was that person who could help me baby step into the personal development world and now I look at my own mentor and I go, every time we, we meet, I go, oh, right. This is why you're my mentor. Cause it's just so much of what she's experienced is my experience. Yeah. 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 The other um, thing that when you were talking earlier triggered for me, the idea of the con- conscious versus subconscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things I am most proud of in my own work is this is like a weird statement, I guess, but my mind and my heart are so much more open. Like, I think if you looked at me 20 years ago, because of all the need to conform, all the things we were talking about, I think, and again, I don't, I don't under, you know, I have not studied psychology or, or any of this really of the, through observation. I think it shuts you down. I think all that need to conform ultimately becomes like a constriction mm-hmm. on on your mind and your heart. And as you, as you undertake this journey and it's, it's definitely a, I mean, it's a slow journey, but as you, for me, what's happened is as, as time goes on, I become more and more and more and more open and my capacity to feel my, like, like you and me, like I felt you immediately, like, wow, I I have goosebumps. Like like, I, I couldn't have done that 20 years ago. And, I, 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 and 20 years is such a great example of the transformation is time. And, and what you're saying too, is really important. There's no destination. No destination. So one of the things that I think is a, a, I don't know if it's a lie that gets explicitly told, but it's definitely one that we tell ourselves is that if we're going to make some change, we're going to get somewhere and then there will be the end. And so, <laughs> and then we'll be cured. Right. And, and so, and so often we are trying to overcome something about us we don't like. And so we just sort of think, get rid of that thing, but there's always a new layer and there's always a new thing that shows up. There's always a, how can I be more open? How can I be more, feel more, you know, express more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was just talking to someone yesterday for my podcast where, you know, she's hitting a new phase in her business and you know, all those doubts and fears that she had two years ago are back and that's totally normal, right? right? Because she's, it's, it's almost like a video game. You level new level, <laughs> new devil, right? right. So right. new, you know, you hit the bad guy on level one. Now you're on level two. The bad guy looks similar, but maybe has a different weapon. And then a level three, same thing, right? So yeah. uh, part of transformation, why is it so hard is because it doesn't end. Right. Once you start, oh, it's yeah. just, it's a journey and it's a wonderful journey. And it's, if you see it not as a slog, but as a, a curious adventure, it can be the most amazing journey of your life. I totally, I mean, I think we're both living it. A very recent anecdote 
So you, you ever hear of something called the predictive index? Yeah. Stuff? So I, I've been a fan of predictive index. It's to the audience. It's a, it's a assessment tool that really helps you understand kind of how somebody is. It's not an IQ thing or even an EQ thing. It's just more how, how does this person behave? What are they like? And I've taken the PI probably five times over 30 years. And it, it always comes back pretty much the same. And I was talking to somebody about the PI the other day. And I said, well, let me send you an example of my PI so you can see you know, how, what you get from the assessment. So I, I read it before I sent it to my friend, Brady. And for the first, I've read my own PI how many times? And for the first time, I realized that there was a part of how I am that I'm actually not really okay with. Mm. And since then, and this was just like four days ago, five days ago, there have been a handful of situations work-related and maybe one, one not work-related where I'm, I was observing that part of myself in the, in the moment and saying, you know, maybe, maybe let's try to moder modulate a little bit. Like, and it's, it's been great. Like it's yeah. been hard. It was hard to acknowledge that maybe that's not an aspect of mm -hmm. myself that I really am, you know, supportive of. And then to mo moderate or modulate my behavior has been hard. But I guess my my point in sharing that story is this 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 transformation is the journey is never ending. And and I I'm finding these opportunities to evolve, yeah. to tweak, to moderate, to. But I think the key, and you and I know you and I talked about this last week, I didn't do any of that with judgment. No. And it's because at the core, something you said to me on, on my show last week is it's about self-love. So if you start with a right. foundation of right. I'm valid, <laughs> going back to our earlier conversation, right? I am valid. I am valuable inherently. I am right. lovable. When you start from that base, then you can start looking at, okay, this thing I don't like about myself, I can change that. That's okay, right? One of my mentors likes to talk about it almost from the perspective of what if you assume you're perfect? And that doesn't mean flawless, but whatever state of being you're in is perfect. And now from that perfection, now you get to tweak. Oh, I don't love that thing about myself. Well, it's not that I don't love that thing. I'd, I'd like to change that thing about myself because it would probably make my relationships better. So let me explore how I might do that. But what you're saying is there's no self-flagellation happening. It's not, None. hey, Chris, why are you such a dumbass for doing it this way, right? It's, I think it was more like an asshole, but whatever. Whatever, <laughs> or asshole. You know, it's 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 not Chris is an asshole. It's, oh, that thing I did was was behaving like an asshole. Right. So now we've taken it out of a, you know, and now you can change that behavior. Right, right. Yeah, and I think with, with that is, for me, the concept of, Back to the sort of the way we are we are sort of taught to be as a society is this idea of, you know, flick at the switch. I got to change. I got to get to a destination. And, and there yeah. is no, sorry, but there is no real destination. It's a never ending journey. And part of like, for me, part of what I have gotten on the other side of in terms of behaviors, feelings, whatever approaches, I think is still in me. I don't, it's not like I left it on the side of the road. I actually think it's still in me, but what's different is it is not guiding me anymore. Right. I, I am guiding me. And when right. that little bastard rears its head and says, you're not worthy, 
or you should control the situation. You need to prove right. to them that you're right, which is part of, part of the thing I was dealing with. Yeah. I can say to the little voice, uh, no, right. not, not this time. Right. And maybe never again, but certainly not this time. This time I, Chris, am going to behave or act or feel the way I think is the way I want to, the way that I think is the right way versus the way, you know, anyway. So it's, it's not like we, we wipe this stuff out. I don't think, I don't think we, no, we, we can't, get, we can't, right. We can't. And it's just like, if I said, you know, Chris, don't think of pink elephants right now. All you're doing is thinking about pink elephants. God, why do right. You do so that? that's so mean. Right. So if you say, don't, don't listen to your inner critic or don't be this way, all don't have fear, whatever it is, is just going to get louder. So one of the things I've said recently is personal development is not about what we rid ourselves of. We don't get over things. We don't overcome. We don't rid ourselves. Personal development is changing our relationship to those things that are going to exist anyway. Our inner critic's going to be there, right? Yeah, so now you're saying, okay, it's not in the driver's seat. For me, my inner critic, I will ask it what it's trying to protect me from. I'll have my moments where I'll have conversations or I'll just go, okay, my inner critic is a thought. Thoughts come and go. Right. <laughs> It'll go away. Right. So it's all about, yeah, how we change our relationship to ourselves and how we change our relationship to the things that we don't really love having our shadows, right? We talked about mm -hmm. the ego earlier, right? There's the dark and the light and the shadow or whatever you want to call it. And we have to have those things. They have just to. have to, they have to exist. Yeah. So that that's what makes us human, right? Yeah. So a lot of people are trying to outrun their human flaws. No. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one of the things I try to do with the show is give the audience you know, actionable, here's what you can do. And, and I think going back to, you know, your advice of little, little steps, don't try to boil the ocean here. You know, this is going to take time. It's a, it's a never ending journey, patience, uh, trust in the, in the process and finding, finding support coaches, mentors, whatever, whatever that may, may look like. Any other, if there's a third thing, I'm a big believer in the power of three. Is there a, a third thing? So I'm, I'm listening and I, I'm like, ex I'm, I'm feeling a level of excitement about, you know, my ability to do something. Is there, is there anything else that you would advise as a, as a sort of basic tenant of, of beginning the transformation journey? Yeah. Find a community. So that's a different thing than finding mentors, right. Or right. coaches or shamans. Right. right find other people who are on the journey with you right right and find support and connection and you're we're recording this while i'm in the middle of a community meetup this week i 30 other coaches when we're in person well when, when no, not COVID, we meet in person but these are my people these are the people who i can share honestly the struggles I can support them. They can support me, but it's not the same level of mentorship, right? Teaching right, that right. a coach brings. And for me, that has, I've had those types, small communities. I, this one's 30 people. I have a couple of different groups I meet with weekly that are, you know, three or four people. It's really, really powerful to have an outlet of support yeah. of other people. So I believe that that is that is exactly right. Again, it takes a village. You, you can't you can't do this alone. I've had people say to me when I've advised them similarly, "Where do I find those people?" 
And my answer, you, you tell me what your, your answer is. My answer is, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I do know you just have to start trying. And then they're Got, like, well, yeah. how do I Maybe try? Baby steps. <laughs> steps, right? This is that, that's the overwhelm. I want my community and I want my community like now. now. <laughs> right? right? So in the olden days, pre-COVID, you could go to things in, in person. Right. right now, I think, you know, if you have mentors, sometimes those people will know of communities, but there are a gazillion communities of people on Facebook. My old employer has done a really good job of creating community there. Find people through other social media right now. You can do that on Instagram. I'm sure Clubhouse, it's the new rage. Oh I haven't, I haven't oh played God. much with Clubhouse, but I know you can find people there. You know, a community doesn't have to be a, a, a huge group of people. Find one person. Right. You know, one person. I, right. I could find one person posting on Facebook. This is what I'm facing right now. If I'm super open and honest and vulnerable about here's the thing I'm going through, I'd love someone to talk to about it. Anyone else going through it? There you go. Community. Yeah. So yeah. start thinking just like, so when I, one of the things I like to say to my coaching clients is what's the tiniest step you can take? And once you get that tiny step, think even tinier because you want to guarantee a quick win. So the first thing you might do, don't even overwhelm yourself with Facebook communities, commit to getting on Facebook and maybe typing in a word that has to do with the thing you're typing, trying to change. That's it. That's all you commit to. Then the next day you might type that word in and look at the groups that come up. Oh, interesting. Then the next day. Okay. Now that you've got the groups that have come up, now you start looking in the groups. So it's all about these really tiny things because immediately your brain wants to solve the problem. And it goes into overwhelm mode. And I'm never going to find a community and I don't know how to do this. Really think as tiny as possible. Yeah. And know that it takes time, just like it takes time to find the right coach or shaman or therapist or mentor. The right community takes time too. And so know that it's okay to go into one community and go, nope, this isn't my people. Keep trying. You know, I'm I'm hearkening back to... um... I think that that verb makes me really old, hearkening. I'm hearkening back to uh, 20 years ago when I when I started going through uh, the beginning of my transformation work and realizing that my immediate family, my brother, my sister, my mother, now my ex-wife, that the, I didn't have anybody I could practice telling the truth to. Yeah. Like they didn't want to hear it. And I don't blame them. I, 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 you know, none of this has to do with them. I'm just saying to the audience, this community thing is so important to, to be able to learn how to talk about what it is that you're, you're feeling, thinking, aspiring to desiring that oftentimes the people that are immediately around us aren't really equipped yet to accommodate what it is we want to say. At least that was my experience. Yes. That's been a lot of people's experience. I've, I've got, I'm lucky in my world that I have people who are quite open, but I know a lot of people in my communities that when we come to our gatherings, that's family because that's the, that's the place we can show up and speak the truth and receive the truth. My very personal example that I wish to throw my mother under the bus, but um, I went through a, a lot of the work I did was with therapists and my family from afar saw this change in me. And I, I would hope they thought it was a positive. I, I thought it was hugely positive. And fast forward, I'm, I'm with my mother and we're talking about my sister who was struggling with some stuff. And I said, you know, I really think Melissa would benefit from therapy. And my mother looks at me, this is after I'd been in therapy for 10 years. And she says, darling, she's English, darling, nobody ever got anything out of therapy. 
I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, you know, but yeah. you got to find people that want to talk about the things that you want to talk about. Absolutely. And, and I would also throw in there, I think you're going to have to look and you're going to have to be okay that some people don't. So in other words, reaching out to people may not always get you the conversation that you want. Yeah. You got, you just got to keep, keep going, play the long game. So I, I'm mindful of the time. I want to I want to yeah. hear a little bit about shift starters. Yeah. So, so uh, shifts. Yeah. Tell shifts, us about your yeah. Show. So it's a new show, and as you know, we've talked about. I was doing a show for a while and realized that it was time to expand and pivot. And I am no stranger to this. Isn't working anymore. Let's let's rethink. And so shift starters is what came out of it. And Really, it's a show about people who want to make positive change in the world, in in people's lives as individuals. So we talked about, you know, those individual healers like shamans and therapists and coaches, but also people who are doing it in, you know, families, communities at scale, the people who have big platforms. And so we're talking about the shifts. What are they trying to do? What are they trying to make change in? But we're really talking about what are they shifting in themselves first? So as you talked about that quote, you know, who you are has to come before what you do, who we are in ourselves has to come before we make the shifts. So I'm doing a lot of exploring of the inner workings of the humans and how do we make the shifts, those tiny, tiny ones, right? All the way up to the big ones in how we think and how we feel and how we act so that we can be our best selves in the impact and the work we want to do in the world. I love that. The question I want to ask, maybe we'll have a follow-up show, but I wanted to I wanted to talk about how COVID, how you see COVID has shifted people. There's a lot of commentary and for some percentage of people, for other people, it's like just horrifying across the board. But for some percentage of people, it appears like it has been a motivator for shifting. Yes. Do, do you agree oh, with that? Absolutely. Anytime we have an interruption in our default pattern, our default behavior, it's a time when people start to think. And so I think there have been in individuals all the way up to society level, right? Huge shifts happening and people rethinking and reevaluating. And at least for me and the people in my industry, there's been a huge demand for what we do because people are starting to say, wait, what is important? Who am I? What am I doing on this planet? Right. And so I could go into this for, for okay, ages, I, but okay. I do, I do want to say, yeah, it has been a wonderful time for people to slow down. And I will end with, I wish it didn't have to be these big cataclysmic events yeah. that make sh- shifts happen. Yeah. <laughs> that tends to be what happens. It almost seems like we need pain to seek gain. Yes, <laughs> like, we do. We need it. Yep. Okay. Last, last, how can the yes. audience get in touch with you? What, what is the best way yeah. to find you? Yeah. So the best way to find me right now is through my website. And there are a few Aaron Bakers out there. So it's AaronMBaker.com. Okay. And from there, you can find my podcast. Shift Starters is also on all of the podcast applications. But find me on my website. And you can also find me on Facebook. But I, I believe it's a little bit harder to find me on Facebook because there's a lot of Aaron Bakers. So you'll have to look for the one with extremely short hair. <laughs> There may be a lot of Aaron Bakers, but yeah. in my mind, you are one of a kind. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I am so grateful for you being on the show and for being my friend. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. <laughs> thank you. I agree. And I love the idea of a follow-up. So we'll make it happen down the line. <laughs> okay. All right. You take care. Right. Thanks again. All right. All right. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.
Thanks for listening today. If you're in search of more opportunities to realize positive change in your life or work, and you find what I have to say helpful, you can always subscribe to my show, check out one of my new salons, there are weekly virtual gatherings of like-minded folks. You can read some of my writings or just listen to one of the talks that I've given around the world over the last couple of years. And you can do it all at chriscolbert.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for my ongoing email updates. When you do, you'll receive a free copy of the first chapter of my about-to-be-published book, Technology is Dead. Again, it's all available at chriscolbert.com. Thanks again for listening today, and I look forward to connecting more in the days ahead.